Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Right. Welcome, everybody, to a post-game edition of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard here. Uh, Giants-Cardinals, what a comeback. What a what a game by Daniel Jones. First, need to tell you guys about Bet Online. Football is back. Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals. From the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And where I start, everybody, what's going on, Hunter, Antonio, Doug? Our regulars are here. We have more fans at the start of a live chat, I believe, than we've had in a little while. It's going to keep building. And that is because Daniel Jones, Brian Dable, and the New York Giants saved the season with the second half of the ages, tying the franchise record for the Giants' biggest comeback ever at 21 points down. And want to answer your questions and also tell you everything that I heard in the Giants locker room here in Glendale, Arizona at State Farm Stadium. What's up, Hunter? What's up, Antonio? Yeah, the Jordan Ron on bomb. Yeah, he walked right by me and I was going to do it out in the um, out in the press box here, this recording. And then I realized I think I was being too loud and everybody could hear me. So I ducked into a side office. Yeah, I said, yeah, there's a report of an ankle sprain. Listen, Antonio. I was in the locker room looking at Saquon Barkley with a swollen ankle standing there at the locker. I don't need somebody to tell me that his ankle is sprained if he gets x-rays. I mean, he we don't know exactly what the final result is because he has to get MRIs. He has to get those x-rays confirmed and evaluated. Um, so I don't consider any kind of report out there right now to be official. I'm the boots on the ground here sta- standing there as Saquon Barkley is being driven down the hallway to get the x-ray. I can tell you I was standing there right next to him. He was down. He looked disappointed. He was despondent. He did not conduct a post-game interview. Uh, Sad to see considering the situation Barkley is in, right? Uh, Coming off an offseason where he tried to secure a long-term contract. Of course, it seemed like there was a deal on the table earlier in the negotiations that his agent and he should have accepted that they did not eventually comes back on a one-year contract trying to make his case and make the most of it. But you look at this now and you see where Saquon is and you can understand why he looks so disappointed because even though he helped the Giants win this game and was a huge part of it, it looks like, you know, standing there next to him, it looks like he definitely won't play against the San Francisco 49ers. And then you have to wonder how long 
he could be out or how long it would affect him, right? Because it's not just about whether he misses games. It's also about, is he compromised? Is he able to still be the player that he knows he can be? And of course, at the running back position with the injury history of the position as running backs get older and their usage increases, uh, a guy like Saquon is a huge part of the team. And so he's getting the ball a lot, but also has been injured frequently throughout his career. Also just comes with the position in general often. Um, all right, let's get to your questions. Thibodeau, zero tack, tackles, zero sacks. Clayton, let me tell you, number five has not shown up yet. Um, he hit Josh Dobbs on kind of a second effort pass rush uh, in the third quarter, I believe. And it was the first time that I had seen Kayvon Thibodeau in this game or really in these first two games. So obviously disappointed. All right, let's go to Townsend. Townsend says, sorry, trying to get away from some noise here as other people trying to do uh, some cool post-game work here, talking to people, doing some recordings on the radio. All right, so Townsend says, great work. Do you think they take more shots to Jalen Hyatt given the success he had today? Townsend, I think absolutely. And frankly, this brings up an interesting point. I think that Brian Dable was more involved in the play calling in the second half. He denied it. The Giants head coach, I asked him directly. I said, did you call plays in the second half? And Dable said no. He said Mike Kafka um, called a good second half and that he's always involved. But did you see Dable with that play sheet? Did you see how he was covering his mouth as he was talking, almost like he was calling the plays into Daniel Jones? Um, I definitely thought that it looked like the Giants head coach took matters into his own, own hands coming out of halftime. And frankly, I wouldn't blame him because the way they were playing, he had to press whatever button he needed to uh, in order to make a change. Jalen Hyatt, that deep shot was the play of the game, the play that unlocked the Giants. It gave him some confidence. Speed kills. We saw that in training camp. We're seeing it here live in a game. Now, obviously the Giants winning this game by the skin of their teeth against one of the worst teams in the NFL, you have to come back and then show it again and again and again against much better teams when you play the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Dolphins, etc. But Townsend, to your point, I think Jalen Hyatt clearly is a guy who is making plays to put himself on the field. You can't keep speed like that off the field. Jalen Hyatt is a player who has some traits and qualities that other players on the Giants don't have. But a lot of guys made some good plays here. You had Isaiah Hodgins with the touchdown catch. You had Darius Slayton making plays. You had Darren Waller taking some hits over the middle to make plays. Um, a lot of guys factoring in. Dan Mazzina checking in. The, the great Mandini with a super chat. Giants fans, this is a good example of what you can do here on our YouTube chats. You can pay money to have a super chat. Uh, your comment gets elevated to the top of the chat and into what my discussion points become. So Dan's question is, how creative is their O-line coach? They need work. Yeah, Dan, I think that uh, Bobby Johnson did a good job in getting a young and inexperienced O-line with Marcus McKeithen and Josh Azudu ready for this game. But I think in general, they still need a lot of work. You saw some penalties from Evan Neal in critical spots. Uh, you saw a first half that was really a mess, including a sack 
in the second quarter to end the half when the Cardinals were only bringing a three-man pass rush uh, with Zayvon Collins getting in, which was really discouraging. I think overall, um, you know, encouraging that they were able to throw the ball downfield in the second half because that means Daniel Jones had some time, definitely with Saquon buying some time on those play actions. But, Dan, to your point, I think, you know, the offensive line in general clearly needs work, and this is only one game against – really, frankly, one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL, not to take anything away from the Giants winning the game. But when you talk to people in the league, there's not a lot of respect for what the Cardinals have on the field right now. So definitely needs work. And Bobby Johnson's under pressure, just like Brian Dable's under pressure to get this fixed and turn it around. Uh, Giants Chronicles, what's up, Pat? Hey, Chronicles, what's up? Welcome back. Todd Lalima says Saquon did his part also wishing well. That's true. Chronicles says he could have taken the many fair deals he was offered about Saquon. Yeah, frankly, I think he trusted some of the wrong people. And you can go back and look at my coverage, but uh, definitely think that his agent change was related to uh, regretting some decisions that were made along the way there. And Antonio says uh, he said the MRI will tell the story and that his x-rays were negative. Well, the MRI will tell the story, so it's inaccurate to really say whether it's a sprain or what it is, right? That's what I'm saying about the reporting is that um, that's a little bit loose, in my opinion, to say it's a sprain and it's not something else or what great, you don't know what grade it is. You don't know what exactly it is. Um, so listen, if Saquon's ankle were broken, he wouldn't have been able to walk, right? If it were broken clean across, he wouldn't have been able to walk off the field like he did. Like I've broken both my ankles and there are different kinds of breaks, right? I broke my left ankle playing basketball clean across. I couldn't even put any weight on it. It hurt so badly when I did it. Then I broke my right ankle, which was kind of a smaller break and felt like a bad sprain. So, and it actually initially when I did it and got tests, no one could tell that I had a fracture. So this is what I mean about saying it's not broken is that if initials x-rays are negative, that doesn't mean there isn't a fracture in the foot. Now I'm not saying Saquon has a fracture, but just pushing back a little bit, Antonio, on kind of definitive word on what it is and what it isn't. That's all I mean. Doug says, was Ben Bredesen in the locker room? I didn't see him. Um, he definitely has a concussion, though. The Giants diagnosed that pretty quickly. Uh, disappointing to see there. Hope Ben gets better quickly. Mark Lewinsky, um, you know, stepping in after getting benched after a horrendous week one and playing left guard, a position he does not play often. And also they were using a silent count in this game. So Bredesen was the one tapping John Michael Schmitz to snap the ball. And then that became Mark Lewinsky's job as well, something he is not used to. What was your take on Danny leading the charge in the second half, says Hunter Keller. Hunter, my take on Daniel Jones leading the charge, and I actually talked to Daniel Jones uh, almost one-on-one. -on -one. It was me, uh, Neil Best from Newsday, and one or two people from Arizona in Daniel's press conference. And Daniel said to us, said to me that um, he said that, he actually missed opportunities and throws in the first half. Jones put a lot of what they did not do on offense on his shoulders. Dable actually alluded to a deep shot they could have had in the first half to Jalen Hyatt uh, that Jones did not throw. Uh, he also underthrew a deep ball to Darius Slayton in the first half that was broken up by a Cardinals corner. So, I, listen, I like Daniel Jones a lot. When he got paid the contract he got, I thought that he earned – uh, the chance to to be the franchise quarterback based on what he did last season. I think obviously they have to put the right pieces around him and use his legs, which is a huge part of his game. He is not just stand in the pocket, drop back and throw. And frankly, I think as much as the Giants encouragingly went downfield in the second half in this game, I don't think 
is a guarantee that they're going to be able to buy that kind of time and pass protection against, you know, NFL teams with real talent um, lining up across from them consistently. And remember, the Cardinals were missing their best player on their entire team, not just their defense in Buda Baker at safety. But all of that said, listen, I'll say this here, like, and Pat Shermer said this before, and this is something that I think Daniel Jones, when he got drafted, so much focus on, of course, it was the turnovers early on in his career. It's uh, the kind of game he plays. It's his ability to put the team on his back or not. But frankly, Daniel Jones has balls. Like Daniel Jones is a guy who, when his back is against the wall, when it's time to put your head down and get take a hit, obviously sometimes he does it unwisely. But Daniel is tough. And this is why players love him and consider him a leader and think he's the real deal is because he's a gamer and he doesn't back down. Right. Um, you know, Daniel could play, you know, there's guys where you say, Hey, um, I have questions about his commitment or his ability to rise to the moment. Daniel Jones is not that guy. Like Daniel is a tough dude. And it's not me saying that because I cover the giants quarterback and I'm trying to say nice things. I mean, he really is tough in every sense of the word, mentally, physically, he actually made a comment today where he kind of chuckled at the suggestion that he would emotionally react to being down 20 to nothing, basically saying, like, what would emotions do for me? I thought that was interesting. Um, and I thought that said a lot about kind of how he thinks as a competitor and as a gamer. That was really interesting to me. Giants Chronicle says Joe Shane draft classes are starting to not look as good as they did. Yeah, well, this is why you don't, you know, Giants fans have been looking for a lot of positive and for good reason, it's been very bad around here for a while now in New York, New Jersey, East Rutherford. But the fact of the matter is you, you got to give it some time. And um, like Wandale Robinson, we don't know if he's a good NFL player yet. Right. Uh, jury's still out there. Josh Azudu, listen, he helped them win a game today at left tackle. But is he going to be a real NFL player? Um, is Marcus McKeithen, is Cordell Flott going to be a real NFL player? Right. What about Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal? Kayvon Thibodeau has been invisible through two games, invisible, no idea what's going on there. So absolutely. Yeah. The draft classes need to be better because especially of what Joe Shane believes in and how the giants want to build this, you got to build in the draft. That's Joe Shane's own words. And he's right that you do have to build in the draft, especially when you're a team like the giants that needs better top end talent and also better depth, right? You need both. So um, I think absolutely jury's still out, but Jalen Hyatt was a big part of uh, this win today. And the giants did draft him when the rest of the league kind of basically was out on him in the draft. Chronicles also says, I think they need to start fade Jalen Hyatt into the wide receiver. One looks, uh, looks like he can take on that role. Yeah. You know, Hyatt was encouraging today. Like that's, that's a pick you got to give Shane and the giants credit for. All right, let's get to more of your questions. Cause they're rolling in. Thanks for joining us guys. Remember, we do these once a week during the week and then another post-game live uh, every week after the game. I'm on here today. Uh, thanks for waiting, guys, because I had to file actually three stories to the Daily News. I had to sub my live uh, game story on the main. I had to write a sidebar on Jalen Hyatt, and I also wrote a sidebar on Saquon Barkley and his injury. So, you know, you got to get the news out there. And frankly, Hyatt deserved his own headline with how impactful he was on this game, in my opinion. Uh, but remember, subscribe if you don't already to our YouTube page at PL on NFL. My podcast, Talk a Ball with Pat Leonard. Follow that Apple, Spotify, wherever. Twitter's at P Leonard NYDN. Uh, give us some ratings and reviews. Hit the five stars where you can. 
hit the like button on the YouTube page on this chat. You can hit it right now. Um, as Dan Mazina showed you guys, you can do a super chat, throw some money into the pot and get your question answered immediately and jump to the top of the rung. Um, and we're going to continue adding more different types of content, Instagram, TikTok. You'll see my arrival videos with me and the players over on Instagram, TikTok, and here on YouTube, and some interviews with Hyatt, Daniel Jones, and Darren Waller, um, some videos of those guys coming as well. So take a look at all that content um, after we're done here. And of course, obviously, at the Daily News, you can read my main story and those sidebars on what went down here at State Farm Stadium. All right, let's get to some more. So Doug says, did anybody ask Dable about the fourth down decisions to punt in the first half, two-point attempt down eight, or the PAT to tie? No, we actually didn't get into um, we actually didn't get into those discussions. I know they were about to go for two um, towards the end there when they were coming back, and then they had to kick. They decided to kick once Evan Neal committed that uh, false star penalty. So I do know about that. Todd says. What do you think about the offensive line play and how much more can we look forward to with this line? Um, I think it was encouraging in the moment, but I think that most teams have better pass rushers than the Cardinals. So I think it's a good sign that they made halftime adjustments, bought time for throwing the ball downfield. But I think you have to move on from here and kind of just shake it off and go to something new because frankly, uh, you saw some bad penalties and they're going to face higher, better talent. Um, you know, the Niners are going to be a huge wake-up call, let me tell you. Let's see. Clayton Ryer says, Giants have Mojo and Hyatt is on the field. No doubt. No doubt. He adds a different dynamic. Dom Doc says, can't change who you face. We won versus an NFL team after looking slow at the half. Yeah. And frankly, listen, the Giants were down 60 to nothing through their first six quarters of the season. There was nowhere to go but up. Um this tied a record for the Giants' best comeback ever in their franchise history, being down 21 when it was 28-7 to after the Cardinals went uh, for two after that Marquise Brown touchdown. Um, another crazy stat here that I have for you guys. So, yeah, 91 minutes and 17 seconds to score the first points of the Giants' season, um, which is just crazy. So that record – the largest comeback in their history, down 21. They last did that in 1949. Also, this is the first time the Giants team did not score a point in the first quarters, six quarters of a season since 1934. In that year, they failed to score in their first seven quarters of the season. But, Dom, you're right. Listen, a win is a win. A win is a win. In the end, it doesn't matter. You played bad in the first half. You won the game. You're one and one. Because let's just face it, we all know – this season was over if they lost this game. This season was over if they lost this game. Brian D Dayball needed them to fight. Brian Dayball needed them to show up. And in the first half, they made a ton of mistakes and looked again like they were not competing at their highest level, which is what you do not want to see from this team. It's what we saw in the Dallas Cowboys game was essentially a team that wasn't ready to fight, which was not something that you just can't have that, right? So, no, Dom, your point, your point is well taken. You can't take a win away from them, right? And, yeah, they played the Cardinals today. That's who they were supposed to beat, and they did. Uh, but, you know, clearly this is not a Giants team that at the moment you can look at and say they're definitely going to compete with the good teams in the league. But that said, they showed resilience, they bounced back, and they fought when their season was on the line. Uh, Chronicle says, just seems like there's no pass rush at all, which is concerning given the assets we have put into it. 
yeah, I don't know where Kayvon is. He's got to show up. Uh, Dexter Lawrence surprised me in not being more of a factor in this game on the interior. Um, I thought the Cardinals targeted their runs away from some of the Giants' top guys up front, but uh, the pass rush was, yeah, was horrendous. Not good enough. Antonio says the Hodgins touchdown was the same post play he scored against the Vikings in the wild card game. Oh, that sounds right to me. I didn't think of that in the moment. I'll go back and look, but I believe you, Antonio. Good eye. Clayton Ryer says Glowinski is much better at left guard than right guard and showed today. No, see, Clayton, I don't see this is what I mean about thinking. So, Dom, you said you can't take it away from them based on the opponent, but Clayton, you can't judge how he played a right guard against the Dallas front versus how he played a left guard against the Cardinals front. Like, the, the Dallas front might be one of the best in the league, and the Cardinals is arguably the worst in the league. Now, I do agree with you that Glowinski deserves credit stepping in, right, after being benched into a position that he doesn't play and helping the Giants win a game, right? Like, he deserves credit for that. There's no doubt about it. Um, Jake Patterson says, how do we expect Hyatt to be used in the future? Do you expect more targets be used as a wide receiver two, three more often? Um, I definitely think that his speed element and downfield threat uh, creates problems for defenses. So you have to have that on the field whenever you can. Um, you know, his ability to run different routes and the Giants' ability to kind of have a heavier install for him, that's, that's a factor. Uh, also the ability, right, Isaiah Hodgins uh, as a run blocker, as a guy who can use his big body to make catches over the middle, uh, as you're moving the ball down the field, Darius Slayton also has kind of both abilities, right? The big play ability and the ability to kind of uh, make those possession catches to move the, the, the sticks. So um, certainly with Paris Campbell in the mix as an option, um, there's a lot of bodies to kind of think about. But I think you saw in this game, guys, listen, you saw in this game, Dable identified at halftime, even during the first half, they felt, well, listen, we, we have opportunities to go downfield and Jalen's the guy to do it. Let's try this more often and let's keep him on the field. And I think you saw him as more of a factor in the second half, even though he only had those two catches, they were basically the two biggest pass plays of the game. So I think the short answer is yes, he's going to be on the field more and continue to earn more playing time and more of a role as we go. Um, and that's just part of being a rookie too, right? Earning that trust and earning that respect and earning the ability to have more on your plate, which is something Jalen needs to show he can handle at, from a mental perspective, from a route running perspective, um, and a workload perspective as well. Great, but great, great signs from Jalen Hyatt, the rookie today. No question about it. Jake says, was Dayball calling the plays in the second half or was it still Kafka? Jake, I asked Dayball that. I really thought it was Dayball based on just what I saw. Um, I think you guys, some people might have seen on the broadcast, but watching here live, like he had his play sheet was looking at it constantly when the offense was on the field, was holding it over his face as he was looking onto the field a lot. Uh, he looked like a guy calling plays from the sidelines. You know, I was zooming in with my binoculars. It was hard to see how much he was talking, how much he wasn't, um, to, you know, like if he was really in Daniel Jones's ear. It did look to me like he was repeating some calls at times, could have been repeating them back to Mike Kafka or back to some other coaches to tell them what he wanted to see down the road. It could have been a situation where Dable – was making more consistent suggestions to Kafka. And then Kafka was kind of pulling from those. That's my feel. Dable said he wasn't calling the plays. I definitely think though, in my heart of hearts, I definitely think something, something increased as far as his involvement in that discussion really at halftime and throughout the second half is what it looked like to me. But Brian Dable, this is what he said. He said that 
it didn't change and he didn't change anything. So we'll see. Uh, Chronicle says Kayvon and Neil are five and seven overall picks and haven't looked like it. Yep. You said it. Hunter says, would you expect them to add another running back from the practice squad for Thursday? Also, would you expect Thomas and Wandale to play? I think Wandale plays. I think the only reason he didn't play in this game was because of the quick turnaround to the next one coming off an ACL. That would just not be wise. Um, Andrew does sound like he's optimistic about Thursday, but we'll see. Um, I definitely got the feeling talking to both him and Brian Dable that um, the quick turnaround from the two games was a factor in the decision for him not to play here. It was his health, but also the idea that they have a game in four days and trying to decipher um, you know, the best way to manage it given the schedule and how he feels as well. Um, so I do think both of those guys play asking me here right now, elevate another running back from the practice squad. Um, you know, maybe you look around the league, um, you know, we'll see. Let's look at if Jay Sean Corbin is still on the Carolina's Panthers practice squad, you could always try and sign a player like him off the Carolina practice squad, right? You could do something like that uh, as a guy who knows your offense, a guy who showed a lot in camp, um, a guy who should have made the team. And um, so that's something to think about. But, you know, they do have Gary Brightwell. They have the rookie, Eric Gray, who's – both of those guys were active as well as Matt Breda. Um, so they kept them on the team ahead of a guy like Jay Sean Corbin. Um, so – I look at that and I say, well, they're probably more likely to give opportunities to guys already in the building rather than go get somebody. But if I went and if I signed someone off the practice squad, so to speak, I mean, Taiwan Jones is a running back who they've been elevating for special teams. So if they theoretically, you know, he, but he would not factor in on offense. Uh, if he's not already, that would not make a lot of sense to me. So to me, it's probably, you know, the gray, gray Brightwell and Breda. Uh, but if you went somewhere right now for a running back quickly, maybe it would be Jay Sean Corbin trying to poach him off the Carolina practice squad. But remember, they tried to bring him back to the practice squad here, and Corbin opted instead to sign in Carolina. So uh, we'll see if that would happen or not. That'll be something to follow, but uh, keep that in the back of your head. Um, Chronicle says, who filmed your arrival video this week? Adori again? Actually, this week it was uh, none other than Art Stapleton. Uh, Art and I were uh, hanging out down there filming the arrivals, chatting up the players. Um, Adori did did uh, play along th this time, but, you know, I thought actually going in, I was thinking 0-1, 40 nothing loss, probably less likely that a player like Adori uh, kind of participates in that way, right? Kind of maybe, even though it doesn't matter, you know, show more, show, show the focus, show the commitment to the to uh, to the game and the and and all that, so didn't surprise me that he or someone else didn't kind of jump in and help. Um, but no offense taken, all good. Uh, you know, a lot of fun um, doing those. I hope you guys enjoy those too, because I have a lot of fun doing them. And Saloretta is keeping me fresh. You know what I mean? Saloretta is in Midland Park, New Jersey. Go check it out if you guys have a wedding. Uh, if you guys need a tailored suit, listen, look good, feel good, play good, man. And uh, Saloretta's, you go, you go there, you get one custom tailored suit, man. You'll never wear anything else. Trust me. Uh, no, no jumps in and says, where is our pass rush? MIA. You ain't kidding. Um, I think it was my colleague Jordan Rana pointed out to me because I was saying, you know, 
uh, Kayvon Thibodeau had been visible in the first half. And Jordan pointed out that literally in the box score, uh, Kayvon had, did not have a pressure QB hit or sack or tackle in the first half. Nothing. Hard to believe. Uh, Hunter says, how do you think Trey Hawkins has looked in his first two games? Up and down. I mean, Jerome Henderson was pretty um, – was pretty clear after the first game there's a lot to work on and listen these guys are rookies so you expect that but also they're in big spots and they need to improve immediately right uh, i did notice early on when the giants went two corners against the heavier personnel the cardinals started with it was only adoree jackson and deontay banks um, so adoree playing the slot when the three of them are on there but uh, at the start they only had two on there hawkins was off uh, banks and jackson were on uh, Hawkins did have good coverage on that one deep ball. He dropped the interception, so you'd like to see him hold on to that. Of course, it actually helped that he dropped it because they had better field position after the punt that went into the end zone rather than him catching it like the three-yard line. Um, but you just like to see these guys make some good plays every week that they can build on, you know, that they can look at on film. And, yes, there's going to be stuff to correct, but as a coach, too, you want to be able to say, look at the board and look at the video and show the players and say, now this is something you did well, Trey. So I think we saw some of that in this game. When will we see the huge game from Waller? Um, listen, six catches for 76 yards by Waller, nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I, th I thought Waller was a huge part of this game. Also the fact that, frankly, he takes a lot of big hits. And, um, you know, I thought he was tough in this game. You know, all this concern about the hamstring and I think legitimate concern, but um, I thought he, I thought he played really well. I mean, you look at Waller, I'm actually looking at it as we talk right now, but I think I felt like a lot of his catches were big, like third down catches. Okay. He had a 12 yard catch on third and 10. Okay. He had three yard catch on first and 10, nine yard catch first and 10. 25-yard catch on first and 10, 14-yard catch on first and 10, 13-yard catch on a second and 11. Okay, so I stand corrected. One big third down conversion. But a lot of his catches went for firsts. And um, I thought really when they needed a play, outside of the two Hyatt uh, big plays, I thought when they needed a play, you know, uh, Waller was really a, a huge part of uh of what they did in this game now as far as when you say big game are you wondering about like enormous fantasy points and two touchdowns i mean i just think that the the giants still need to prove that they can get in the off in the end zone consistently throwing the ball uh daniel did have the two touchdown passes to saquon and isaiah hodgins in this game but i think for waller to get in you're going to have to see the giants pass protection and passing game really kind of open up and improve um in the red zone a, oh, Al says, hey, Al, what's up? Says, not sure how to feel about a Giant, as a Giants fan. Do we just hope that the first six quarters of the season were a fluke? It was a great win, but we should have never needed to come back. Yeah, I think, listen, Dom said it earlier well that you can't take it away from the Giants, that they beat the Cardinals and, you know, it was who they were playing this day. But I think if you're being honest, and Brian Dable said this, he said, like, I'm proud of everybody, but we have a lot to work on. And I think that's a really good way of summing it up because – you can't take the win away and you're happy that you won. And frankly, the offense had four straight touchdown drives and five straight scoring drives, which no matter what offense you are, no matter what team you are, that's impressive, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of points and that's a lot of consistent production. So good on them. 
But I think it'd be I'd be lying if I didn't say it, it's reason to be concerned that they were this bad for a half a game against the Cardinals. They were this bad for six of their first eight quarters of the season. And, you know, you see some concerns about the defense not being able to tackle. Um, and they're going to face a lot of teams that are a lot better than this. So I think there's plenty of reason to still be extremely concerned, um, especially when it comes to in their division and chances of competing this year. You know, you need to show this. This second half they tur- they turned in, you're, you're not you're not going to be scoring every drive, but you need to be closer to the second half consistently than the other way. And so far, more of their season that they've played has been uh, pathetic than has been explosive like it was in the second half. Are you staying in Phoenix like the team is all week? Uh, yeah, I'm staying here, and then we'll head out to San Francisco on Wednesday. So uh, – Perks of the job, but also, you know, we're grinding out here trying to bring you the best content we can. Um, So which I really appreciate you guys being on here. This this live chat is cooking Um, and it should be after a giant win. And thanks for bearing with me. You know, when we do these talking ball chats and these live chats, the post game chats, I obviously have to first file to the New York Daily News and do my reporting and writing for them. And so um, I initially set this to start at eight o'clock. But then we pushed it to nine. I showed up a little bit after 9 p.m. Eastern because of the time change, but also because obviously I have those responsibilities first. So if I say the live chat's coming and I'm not on for a few minutes, just hang tight because I'm just doing a lot of writing and some reporting out uh, before I get here. So appreciate all you guys staying. And like I said, if you saw Dan Mazina up there, put in the super chat. Um, You could pay a couple of bucks to have your chat, kind of uh, your comments risen to the top jumped right to the, to the top of the line, the front of the line for us to discuss. It's a way to support what we're doing here. Um, we also, if you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube page, at PLO on NFL, same handle on Instagram, um, on TikTok, on Twitter, at P Leonard NYDN, and all my work on the New York Daily News website. Uh, really appreciate all your guys' support. Richard Roman says, let's say Andrew Thomas is back Thursday. What is the starting O-line looking like? That's a good question, Richard, because Zudu, theoretically, um, you would play him at guard because that's where he's played a lot. But also now here he plays left tackle here. So uh, what do you do, right? Do you do you move him back to right guard, ask him to do that right away and immediately? Or uh, do you put McKeith in there because that's where he started and played all of this game? I think maybe the answer is to keep McKeith in there because – he just played a full game with Evan Neal and John Michael Schmitz on that right side. And then you have Azudu kind of ready to go if needed. But in the moment, Josh Azudu for now, possibly is your swing tackle, who also can play guard. Azudu had a lot of flexibility in college moving around in different positions. And that's part of why they drafted him. So it's also a possibility that if Andrew plays, Josh Azudu would just go in at right guard. Um, but remember, Ben Bredesen also is hurt now. So what do you do? Is it Josh? Is it Andrew Thomas left tackle? Josh Azudu left guard. John Michael Schmidt center. Marcus McKeithen right guard. Evan Neal tackle. To me, if Ben Bredesen is out with a concussion, that's probably what it looks like to me. Um, in my my first guess, that's probably what it looks like. Al says, figure the Giants will lose all five to Dallas, Philly, and San Fran, so they need to win nine out of the other twelve. Yeah. Um, I hate to be uh, – I don't want to be negative, but that's certainly how it looks like it's shaping up. Of course, the Giants do have top-end or high-end players who, you know, aren't making much of an impact right now. 
Um, so like if Kayvon Thibodeau starts showing up, then maybe the Giants look like a different team. Or if Dexter Lawrence starts having those dominant games, like he looked good against Dallas in a loss. He did not dominate this game. Uh, but, you know, you have your top players, you're paying to be your top players to play that way. If they start playing that way, maybe you look like a different team. But right now the Giants haven't looked like that team. All right, if you have any other questions, please dump them in the chat now because we're going to do a few more minutes here. And then I'm going to get out of here and um, crush some more content here on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube. Um, you can look for a lot more coming. I love doing these post-game chats, though, guys, because, frankly, I just have so much going on in my head from all these conversations that you have in the locker room with Dable. Um, there's just so much to talk about. And so we download with it as reporters together talking to each other. But it's also fun to bring it right to you guys, especially because you guys have perspectives on what you're seeing as you're watching at home, you're watching on TV, and you're consuming so much content around social media and also just diehard fans who really care about this team. All right. Uh, let's see. Pot Chronicle says, where is the team practicing this week? Uh, I believe um, – Arizona State, but I don't think they're actually practicing. I think they're just doing a walkthrough. Um, so I don't think it's like a full practice because of the short week. We will be talking to Dable Monday and Tuesday, and then we are also going to talk to players um, in person on Monday and Tuesday as well. So we have opportunities to do some interviews there. Hunter says, is your first live of the week going to be after the game on Thursday? Hunter, that's actually a good place or a good point. Probably um, I won't be doing like a, I, I probably won't do like a Tuesday live chat. Probably we'll just hold off and do the next one right after the game on Thursday. Um, that's a really good point. Actually, I might, I might end up doing uh, a podcast instead. We'll see, but you know, I, I turn these into podcasts as well. So if anybody who's listening or who misses this, if you miss our live chats, I will publish it and post it as a podcast on the talking ball podcast uh, for everybody to consume who didn't get to participate and who missed it and all that. So um, if for some reason you can't make it, you can always listen back and hear what we have to say and what we're talking about on these, but that's a good point, Hunter. I'll probably wait and just do my next one right after the game. Uh, let's see. Same place as 21, uh, 21. Um, no, the Giants practiced in at the University of Arizona um, when they were with Joe Judge in Tucson, so that was different. Al says, what was up with Wink's play calling this game? Giants were getting shredded by Dobbs in the first half. Um, yeah, uh, I think the Giants were kind of simple and vanilla and were not necessarily bringing tons of pressure. I think they were trying to keep everything in front of them, and it didn't end up working. Uh, you saw when they started like zero blitzing Dobbs, he started rushing the ball and when he started seeing a lot of pressure coming, suddenly uh, the offensive line started jumping and Dobbs looked a little skittish. So I thought maybe they did not show as much pressure early as he typically does and certainly has to get back to that because that is absolutely his bread and butter. Only walkthroughs when you're playing a good team like the Niners. Don't know if I like that or not. No, the walkthrough would be, you know, a lot of like install of plays. But frankly, on the short week, players just need to, re to heal their bodies. Like they have, but think about it. They're getting back to their hotel tonight, right? They get back to their hotel. They have to 
you know, they go to sleep, they go, they have an early, early night, whatever. Tomorrow is rest, recovery, a lot of training work, all that kind of stuff. No practice, a lot of meetings, that kind of thing, talking about the Niners install. You know, probably have a meeting where you do some walkthrough like Monday night before dinner, after dinner, whatever it is. And then on Tuesday, you have like an official walkthrough, you get out to the field, you get moving around a little bit, but you can't be banging people's bodies around. You have a game on Thursday. So Wednesday ends up being your Saturday of a normal game week and you're traveling. So it's just not conducive to having a full, real, like real practice, right? Like you can have a more serious practice than a walkthrough, but you can't do that to these guys' bodies, right? Um, Isaiah looked good from what I saw, made some good open field tackles. Yeah, they put Simmons in a couple situations to guard some running backs out of the backfield, and he made a couple of nice tackles. I agree. And then he factored in on, uh, I think, the tackle on the kickoff on the final um, – on the final drive right before the Cardinals final drive and looked like he got a good feeling out of that guys. Thank you so much for joining me here. Um, again, we are sponsored by bet online. We are also sponsored by a state 98 coffee. Um, I drink it every time I do the talking ball podcast at home. You just pour a tablespoon and some glass and a drink or, or in a glass and stir it, uh, some ice and, and a tablespoon of a state 98 and instant coffee. It's awesome. It's an Essencia de cafe actually from El Salvador, um, it's delicious. Couldn't recommend it enough. I'm a huge coffee guy. And now instead of running out to Dunkin' Donuts for iced coffees, I just drink a state 98, not just saying that either. It stuff's amazing. Um, and also, as you saw, we are with Saloretta's Midland park with the arrivals. Um, you know, please give us some feedback on what you want to see more of as we do this really want to bring you guys the content you want, the information you want. Of course, the big things we're looking at going from here into Monday and Tuesday are, you know, Saquon Barkley's health um, and where and what that means for the Giants offense and the Giants team. And also just frankly, where Andrew Thomas stands and how the Giants mentally are going to bounce back and kind of sustain this uh, with their competition ramping back up. Chronicle says Pinnock looked good. I thought Jason Pinnock actually um, was um, – getting picked on a little bit early in pass coverage with the tight ends, but Jason is extremely uh, resilient. And I thought he bounced back very well and kind of stayed engaged. I think he led the team in tackles, uh, really good run blitzer and tackler in the backfield and a tough guy, um, you know, doesn't give up. So that's what you need from the giants. You need guys who are going to stick their nose in uh, play tough and, um, and not back down even when things aren't going well. The Giants are going to need to be resilient because it's going to be a difficult year with a difficult schedule, and they're going to have to win um, a lot of tough games. If they do get wins, I think they're going to be close games, right? I, I think everything's going to be so far. What it looks like is a lot of things are going to be difficult. But thanks again for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for participating, for your questions. Dan Mazina, thank you for the super chat. Guys, we'd love to see uh, some super chats in our next live chat. We will do post game in San Francisco after the Giants play the 49ers. Hunter, thank you. Doug, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.